It's green for go. They're racing. He says go. He says Tara. And Tiger Tara rolls away from them on the home turn. Here comes another big boil over. Equine athleticism at its best. The king is in the castle once more. This is in one race. The rest are almost in another post. She is a star with a capital S. It's going to be a triple treat. A miracle three-peat. Ladies and gentlemen, you have witnessed history here at Menangle. What about that? It's getting right up on the sprint lane and it's going to bolt in. Hello and welcome to the Sunday session. It's great to have your company this week on the Sprint Lane. My name's Greg Hayes. It feels like it is the calm before the storm this week in harness racing. In saying that, we had Luxa Turner and Victoria this weekend placing in the Breeders' Crown. Obviously, Jared Alchin is across with... uh, my ultimate Ronnie, he's a very talented four-year-old for their feature races in Perth, but the Inter-Dominion, it's only a week away from beginning. The second stop for the Carnival of Cups is young, and that meeting's on next Friday. The great prize money on offer will ensure a strong field. Smashing lineup of bands are set to hit the stage as well. This time it's the living end, things of Stone and Wood and Sarah McLeod, some huge names in Australian music, and I can't wait to get to young next Friday night to listen to them. Another strong night of racing at Club Menangle with a few of the big guns taking to the track in the free-for-all. So there's a lot to talk about this week. Who's on the show? Well, that man again, Cam Hart. He drove another three winners, and I've asked Cam to take some time out of his busy schedule to have a chat on the podcast. Might even see if he can give us a lead as to where he will be next Friday night. Will he be in Brisbane for the start of the Inter-Dominion? And will he be driving Swayze? Is that where Jason's going to take him? Seton Grimer, he drove... I'm no trouble to victory at Clubman Angle. He's trained by Joe Connolly, raced by Michael Hawke. The four-year-old has been super consistent of late without winning. Finally cracked it for another win, and I thought it would be timely to catch up with Seaton. As mentioned, the Inter-Dominion kicks off next week in Brisbane. I thought it'd be good to catch up with the voice of harness racing in Queensland, Chris Barsby, to have a chat about the upcoming series. He would be salivating at calling his first Inter-Dominion, and with the local leap to fame, the dominant favourite, he will be bouncing around like a bantam rooster. In saying that, New South Wales looks to be well represented. Be interesting to see how many Jason Grimson horses are in the series, but we'll talk to Chris about that. Fantasy harness racing is back for another season. I've had a few people ask me, what is it? The best way to describe it is creating your dream team of real-life drivers in New South Wales. You act as the manager. You pick the team. You pick your drivers for the team based on their actual results on the track. If your driver wins a race, you get 10 points. If they run second, you score five. Third place is worth three. Fourth, you get two points. And any other finishing position, you score one point. It's a way for fans to get more involved by strategizing and competing with friends based on how the real drivers go on the track. In fantasy harness racing, you've got to select 22 drivers across the state. You've got a balance of $14.6 million to assemble your team. Cam Hart, for example, our guest tonight, $2.36 million if you want to have Cam in your team. So that's a fair, sizable slice, actually, of your budget. Each round lasts a week. You nominate a captain and a vice-captain. Your captain doubles their score for the round. So picking the correct person to be a captain is extremely important and can make the difference between winning or losing. Now, Will Norman was the winner of the first season of Fantasy Harness Racing. He won himself a brand new car. Well, I thought we might pick his brain, just get him on, have a chat to him and see how he's put his team together for season two of Fantasy Harness Racing. The Menangle Express is back, where I run through every race on a Saturday night, highlight what I saw and who I think are the horses to follow going forward. The less said about the tipping segment, the better. My good mate and Bathurst participant, Mr. T, didn't cover himself in glory getting a shorty beaten at Bathurst while one of my tips was scratched. So I think he's just beating me in our tipping challenge. We've both been working hard, and hopefully we can find a couple of winners and get our balances back in the black. So much to get through on the show. So as Freddie Hastings would say, the green light's on. Let's get things started. As heads were turned for home, they tripped that split in 27-8 and home. And name is Jeff has kicked away. Gets four metres in front of Mac Da Vinci and then Rip, who's running on resolutely. Outer Orlando's trying to wind up, but he goes full bore now. And home, my name is Jeff. And home, my name is Jeff has quickly put up a margin. Gets 10 metres in front, holding second, Mac Da Vinci. Outer Orlando gets to the line OK, runs another hole. But too good was high, my name is Jeff. Sounds like a bit of a broken record, but he just keeps doing it week in, week out. Another few winners for Cam Hart at headquarters and, importantly, goes over 200 winners for the season. Cam Hart's joining me. Hello, Cam. How are you? 
Yeah, good. Thanks, Greg. Mate, congratulations. Another another big night at headquarters, and um, that two hundred winners for the year. It, it you know they they just keep racking up for you. Yeah, it's been an incredible year, and obviously had a lot of good support from good trainers, which helps. And yeah, it's nice to get that milestone again. Um, you know, obviously had a nice season last year, and it's good to continue it on. Mate, let's uh, have a look at your drives tonight. You won the first with Brooklyn Bridge. Um, nice and aggressive and, and was too strong for them? Yeah, he was awesome. Obviously, my first time sitting behind the horse and gave me a great feel. I think he's a horse that's going to go through the grades, but he raced, yeah, awesome tonight. And, um, yeah, I think he'll he'll have a few more wins left in him, yeah. That big, uh, the, the second quarter, it was only slow, 30.4, probably the, the race or the the reason you're able to, to uh, show that blinding speed up the straight, what do you run, 27.4 and 26.8 home, so... Um, just able to just pinch that second quarter. Yeah, that was probably the winning of the race, Greg. Um, you know, just getting that little breather, um, coming out of the gate strong enough, and yeah, it was nice just to fill up the lungs there down the back. And he went a really nice half. I think he could have went a little bit quicker if he had something to race. So um, yeah, I was really happy with his performance. Well, Grimo produced uh, another great training performance with Dennis William, first up off a really long spell to win race number five, and this was the one that broke the uh, or got you to the 200 mark. Dennis William, um, really good training performance, but you had to be patient early. Um, you, you didn't want to be part of that early speed battle. Yeah, it was a huge training performance from Jay to get this horse to win first up, and yeah, I didn't want to be involved in that early burn. Obviously, um, Claudie might have been a little bit underdone, but um, yeah, it just worked out perfect. They went that middle half quite solid and have brought us into it late. But he's been a really quality horse um, throughout his career and yeah, to get him back to the races, it's a, probably a big thrill for the, the owners and obviously for Jason now that's got him. What were you thinking at the top of the straight? That obviously, you mentioned they went through the middle half pretty quickly. Did you think you were a winning chance at the top of the straight? Yeah, I did. He was tracking into it really nice and um, he was, you know, still felt like he had a good finish and I was just about able to present him at the right time. And, um, you know, that second quarter, I was super happy with. I thought that would bring us into it. And he seemed to have a little bit up his sleeve. He hit the front, uh, the old fella, and he was having a bit of a look around. So there's a few promising signs going forward for him. Uh, you're able to win the feature event of the night, the uh, Clubman Angle Tony Turnbull free-for-all on high. My name is Jeff. Uh, he, he looks. He's obviously had injury problems throughout his career. But, gee, if, if Jason can keep him together, he's going to have some fun with him at Manangle. Yeah, he loves Manangle, he loves the style of racing and the big, you know, the big track helps him with those corners and yeah, he just gets around it like a dream. So he's a pretty impressive horse. He can, you know, rip lots of some contractions and he's pretty powerful for me to drive. It's a pretty good thrill for sure. He, he looks to have push-button speed, even over the long trip. You just ask him to go, you know, as you turn for home and he just, he seems to find a length or two lengths on them pretty quickly. Yeah, that's right. Um, as soon as you ask him for an effort, um, he, he quickens, you know, within a stride. And that's pretty impressive, um, you know, to be able to do that. And yeah, I think he's, you know, provided he can stay sound the way he is now, he, you know, I wouldn't put, you know, a miracle mile or something like that out of the question. He's a pretty impressive horse. Mate, um, did want to ask you about one of your beaten drives um, in the last, Carlo Gambino. Didn't seem to get a lot of room in the straight. Yeah, he just got, you know, Cluttled up there on the on the trail, and they went slow and a bit of traffic at the top of the lane, and he got out late and made a little bit of ground. But he's sort of one of those horses. He you just needs that touch of luck. You can't make your own luck with him. He, he likes to just track through and, and have a quiet run, and he's always thereabouts when he gets that sort of run. Mate, I haven't spoken to you since you won the New Zealand Cup. What sort of thrill was that for you? Is that one of the best things that's ever happened to you in your life? Oh, for sure. It's definitely up there um, as far as my career goes. And, um, yeah, I think it's probably at the top of the list. Just, you know, for how hard it is to, to go over there and take on the Kiwis and, um, you know, all their great horses and trainers and drivers over there. So, um, yeah, Jason's done an incredible job with the horse. And he's just, yeah, he's a very special horse to all of us. He's dead set powerhouse and just very fortunate, um, you know, that I'm the one that gets to sit behind him. Before a race like that, what does Jay say to you? Does he give you any instructions, or he just he just knows that you know you know your horse, you know the the rivals, and he just lets you do your own thing? Yeah, no, nah, Jason's very good. Um, you know, we've got a really good relationship uh, as far as business goes, and, and 
just on track tactics. He doesn't give me any anything. Maybe if it's the first starter for him, he'll just tell me a little bit about the horse. But once he knows I've worked them out and know what they're like, um, yeah, he just lets me do my thing. And I think that helps me go out there with a clear mind and I can just drive the race the way I see it. Mate, um, I saw you interviewed after the win and, and, and you mentioned Uncle Trev and, and Trevor White's obviously been a, a big um, influence on your career and, and, and to mention him in, a, in an after-race interview, you, you obviously take a lot from what he taught you early on. Yeah, for sure. He's obviously been my biggest inspiration um, in the harness game and, you know, growing up as a kid, he, he taught me all the, you know, right ways to go about um, you know, working with the horses and yeah he's, um, yeah, he's been a great role model for me. He's been a legend trainer down in the Riverina for, you know, 40 or 50 years. So, um, yeah, big thanks to him for sure. Um, I wouldn't be where I am today without him. Do you get a chance to go back over Christmas and, and catch up with the family or are you just all guns blazing with uh, with all the racing? Uh, yeah, I'll take a week off um, to get home. It's about the only opportunity I get to go back home. Um, you know, more than probably a night. So, yeah, it'd be good to catch up with all the family. They obviously mean a lot to me and they're my big supporters. They, they all tune in to nearly every race meeting wherever I am uh, around the country. So, yeah, it's nice to have a bit of downtime and, and uh, yeah, spend a bit of time with them. Mate, before we let you go, um, I spoke with Jared on the show last week. He was hoping to have you in Perth or Young or wherever, but obviously the Inner Dominion starts next Friday night. Uh, is that where you're going to be next Friday night? At this stage, it is, um, you know, unless something changes with Swayze um, being confirmed to go at this stage, I'll probably go to Brisbane and, and stick with him. It's a bit of a shame that, uh, yeah, there's three nice races on all on the one night. Obviously, would have loved to have been a part of all of them, but that's just uh, part of the business. But, yeah, we'll get up there and um, yeah, try and get the three-feet going for Jason. Yeah, well, um, he's obviously had some great success in the race um, and... and Swayze's got the the win on the board against Leap to Fame in the in the Blacks of Fake, so it's it's an exciting period coming up for you over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, definitely, it should be really good racing, and obviously the two brothers are going to go round two again, and I think that should bring a lot of hype, um, you know, to the race. And obviously, uh, Leap to Fame was super impressive the other day, so it's going to be another good duel and two great horses going at it. How good! Mate, uh, all the best of luck up in, up there in Queensland. Do New South Wales proud, and we'll catch up with you soon. Twenty-eight the quarter. I'm in trouble on top, and here comes the favourite, Major Major, in hot pursuit on the outside. Foxy Dada, Terry Rama, but it's I'm in trouble. Major Major, Foxy Dada's trying to get to the pair, but it's I'm in trouble. It's packing plenty of power in front now from Major Major. I'm in trouble's in none whatsoever. It's home. I'm in trouble goes home to beat Major Major, Foxy Dada. Good race tonight at Menangle was race number four, taken out by I'm in Trouble. Now, the horse has been super consistent and deserved to finally break through for another victory. Joe Connolly trained. Seaton Gromer did the driving, and Seaton's joining me to have a chat. Hello, Seaton. How are you? Good. Yourself, Greg? Really well. Um, deserved victory tonight for I'm in Trouble. Yeah, he's, he's actually, his past two runs are probably his best career runs. Um, he's been sitting past and still running on. Um, and getting second, so no, he deserved his win tonight. So, going into tonight's race, did you have a look at the draw and think, tonight might be a night where we can light him up and go forward over the longer trip? Yeah, exactly. Um, his last two starts, we've sort of, we've rolled the dice and just rolled forward. Um, it's unfortunate we've been parked out, but I think he's a horse that likes raking up on the speed. Um, even in his track work, he likes to just roll along. Um, so, yeah, tonight when the, well, when the fields come out, I thought tonight was the night that we can yeah, roll the dice, and I thought if he could find the front, it'd be hard to beat. Yeah, once you got to the front, he was able to settle quite nicely, and you were able to, to get away with that 49-second lead time. So it was comfortable <coughs> enough for him. Yeah, he's sort of a horse that, yeah, being, being an art major, he can yeah not want to go at times. Um, but yeah, when he got to the front, he relaxed real good. Um, and then, yeah, just, it was yeah, easy going from there, just tapping him up every now and then just to keep his mind on the job. Um, but no, he done it well within himself tonight. And then turned it into a, a sprint home from the 800 metre mark. What, 28 seconds the third quarter and up the straight in 27.9. When you turned for home, did you think you were in any danger? Did you think the, the one behind you was going to, to, to race you? Yeah, I, I knew the, probably my main danger was on my back. Um, 
trained by Grimo and driven by Cam, it's, yeah, it's a combination that you can never take lightly. Um, so, yeah, knowing he was on me back, I sort of had to make it a sprint home. Um, I thought that was probably the way I could win. Um, and, yeah, he proved too good tonight. So... This horse spent some time in your stable and, and is now in Joe's stable. You've obviously got a, a good working relationship with Joe Connolly. Yeah, so Mick Hawke sent him to me from Jack Trainer. Um, and me only having a B-grade licence, I can only have a certain amount of horses in my name. Um, so he's, I've elected to put him in Joe's name. Um, but yeah, he's, he's still at my place and yeah, we still all work together. And it's it's obviously Mick Hawke would be ecstatic. I've known Mick for a number of years, and and he'd be he'd be loving the fact that he's got another winner at Menangle. Oh, exactly. He's a top owner. Um, brings me for a chat every now and again. He's he's one of them owners that knows when you're busy, you're busy, and when you're not, you're up for a chat. Um, but no, he's a good bloke to have a chat to, and um, no, he's yeah, I'm grateful for the opportunity he's given me. So what are what are the plans with the horse now? Do you he obviously he's got some ability. He went round in the Breeders Challenge heat and final and, and finished third in his heat behind my ultimate Ronnie. But do you have anything planned for him? Do you just keep pushing him around at Menangle and getting him up through the grades? Yeah, that, that's probably the plan for now. Um before tonight I was gonna aim him up for the Christmas gift heat and final. Um but yeah, he won tonight, so he's uneligible for that now. Um but yeah, I'll just keep punching him around here for now and if he's still a low enough rating, I'll probably aim up for the golden guitar. Okay. And and what about Saginaw? He went enormous tonight. He had nowhere to go, he had, he, and he just wanted to savage the line. Yeah, he's such a speed horse, that one. Um, can get a bit rough in the beginning, um, but he always hits the line at the end of the race. He just sort of, because he can't use him early, he needs a little bit of luck. Um, but no, you can never rule him out because he's just so fast and always hits the line. So basically, you've got to drive him for, for, for luck most starts. Yeah, pretty much. Um, sort of just rely on his speed to yeah get him to the line. Um, it's when he first come over, his first probably oh, three or four runs for me, they were super, um, and he was always finishing in top three. Um, now he's up in the ninety-five grade. Competition's a bit stiffer, um, but he's yeah he he can hold his own. So you mentioned that um, with your license, you can only have a certain number of horses in your name. How many are you working at the moment? Um, so being a B grade, I'm only allowed three outside horses in my name. Um, but I'm, I think there's oh, 10 or 12 there at my place. Um, so, yeah, it's probably a good number, um, but I would like to get a bit more. Um, but, yeah, just see what time sells. Yeah, sure. And you, you're not afraid, you know, you're not afraid to travel. I've seen you you're up in Queensland every now and then. If, you, if you've got the right horse, you'll travel? Yeah, exactly. Um, like I said, with I'm in trouble, I think the Golden Guitar will really suit him. So, travelling to Tamworth, it's... Yeah, it's not too far. That's only five hours, but even having loyalists, it's, yeah, it's a big thrill to go to Queensland and go to Victoria and even to Perth for the WA Cup. Yeah. Um, mate, you've, uh, you've you've really kicked a few goals. So you're obviously enjoying your time in the sport? Yeah, probably. Oh, now it's probably the best time I'm loving it at the moment. Um, I've recently gone full-time into training horses. Um, and yeah, I've, ever since I've been in horses, I've always dreamed to train and drive my own team and yeah, for it to finally come true, and now it's a big thrill. So what was the, the deciding factor in you saying, yep, I'm going to roll the dice and go full-time? I Just just the, the opportunities I was getting, um, I thought, yeah, now's probably the time to make the most of it. Um, so, yeah, I sort of bit the bullet, and mum and dad helped me a lot at home. They've let me set up stables and a track and that at home. So, no, it's, I've, I've got a lot of support behind me. I've got some great owners. Um, but, yeah, just with the amount of horses I was getting, and the results I was getting, I thought, yeah, now's probably the best time. And how how far away are you from graduating to the uh, the A A grade license? I've still still got a little bit left, um, but yeah, hopefully it comes sooner than I think, and yeah, we can extend the team a bit bigger and hopefully kick some more goals. Well, mate, congratulations on the win tonight. Really good, uh, really good to see the horse win. And uh, Saginaw did a great job. He's going to win one soon. You're going to get the luck. So, uh, mate, congratulations tonight. Ciao. Thanks for your support. That time of the week where we have a look at the Menangle Express and go through each of the races at Menangle on the Saturday night. Race one, the Jared Alchin and Cam Hart combination kicked off the night with the favourite in the first Brooklyn Bridge. It showed good speed to roll forward and take the lead off Ricochet in the early stages. Sahara Sirocco was three pegs and behind it was Western Style. They raced in single file until inside the kilometre mark when Unfazed came first over. Stingray Tara grabbed its back and double encounter. 
was on its back. Quarters of 27-1, 30.4 and 27-4 set it up for an interesting finish, but Brooklyn Bridge was able to kick away in the straight and hold on from a determined double encounter. Rick O'Shea held on for third after racing behind the leader. Not a lot of excuses for the beaten horses at first look. Uh, last Tango and Heaven didn't do a bad job after pulling around the field. Race two was for the up to 65 paces. The favourite when the race jumped was go away again at $3.30, while the early favourite Dance and Deliver got out to $6 by the time the starter said go. Big Black Diamond showed speed from the inside to hold. Bolzano pushed forward to race outside the leader. Go away again, dived in behind. And Vinky B got the 1-1 with Dance and Deliver on its back. 27-2 was the opening quarter, and that is solid enough for these horses. They backed it off to 29, but Big Black Diamond was in trouble approaching the turn. And Vinky B came at the leaders three wide soon after turning. Dance and Deliver made its move soon after, rushing to the lead for Ellen Rickson halfway down the straight. The early leaders punctured badly, so there were some hard luck stories in this race. Go away again, had nowhere to go, and was a forget run, while catcher Shuby couldn't find a gap until the 200-metre mark, and it finished off solidly to run into second. The run was good. Race number three, Nelly Big Time charged off the gate and crossed before handing over to Sailor Girl. It was a 27-second first quarter. Zenzina was outside the leader. Dragon Tattoo was on its back, and Poker Delight was three markers. 57-2 middle half allowed the front runners to balance up and as they turned for home, Sailor Girl kicked away. A Dragon Tattoo was given its cue from the 1-1 but halfway up the straight. They didn't eat into the lead of Sailor Girl much at all. She went on to score a pretty soft win in the end. Nelly Big Time came off her back late to shorten up the margin but was never going to win and Jungle Baby was solid late to grab third but in saying that, none of the beaten brigade had an excuse. Final quarter, 27-7. Good to see Dennis Picker who was a guest on the show last week as the owner-breeder of that winner. Race number four was over the 2,300 metres. I'm in trouble was driven aggressively early to cross from out wide, which meant the favourite major major sat behind the leader. Foxy Data was three pegs, and in the end, they all went single file. They backed the speed off in the second half of the lead time, and the first quarter was only slow. It wasn't until the 900 metre mark when Terry Rama came away from the inside and started up the running line. All-Stars Frankie had cover on its back, but was still a long way from the leader. Grimer asked I'm in trouble to quicken through the third quarter in 28 seconds. Cam Hart sat in for as long as he could with the fave to have one last crack, but when he pulled to the outside, he never really looked likely with I'm in trouble responding. Major Major was first up, but had its chance. Foxy Data made good good late ground, um, but was never going to win. Not a lot from the rest. Time told the story, 55-9 last half. Race number five, Dennis William was first up off a long break, but the money continually came for it. Got in as short as 185. Um, there were a few that wanted to go forward early, but that didn't mean it was a blazing first quarter. They went 27-7, and when they settled down, Longfellow was in front with Titian Raider outside it, and Jazzy Star was out three wide. It was driven in a similar pattern last week. Jazzy Star eventually rolled to the front, crossing down in front of Longfellow. Little Bliss was three pegs with Saginaw behind it. In the running line was Titian Raider, Joe and Dennis William and Brados Ladd. The speed remained solid as they went a middle half in 56-6. Jazzy Star punctured, turning for home, and the horses from the rear made their runs together. Dennis William and Brados Ladd. Dennis William hit the front and was able to hold them in the dash to the line. Good training effort, being first up since July 2022. Brados Ladd was solid, but there was... A couple of unlucky runs in the race. Saginaw was buried on the pegs, turning for home, and was really good to the line. Longfellow was another one that had nowhere to go and hit the line solidly once it got into the clear. Race six, that was for the fast-class horses over the long trip. Mac Da Vinci was driven aggressively early to get to the marker pegs before releasing the short-price favourite. Hi, my name is Jeff. Rip was three marker pegs, and roll-up was behind it. Again, they went into single file. These longer races are nearly a carbon copy every week with this pattern. The lead time was 48.5, first quarter 31.3, so anything further back than four pegs was effectively out of play by the time they got to the 1,200 metre mark. Quick and marginally to 29.3 through the second quarter, it wasn't until the cages that Alta Orlando came off the inside and started the running line. 27.8 third quarter, flushed out rip, but hi, my name is Jeff, gave a big kick on the bend. Raced away to score comfortably. Mac Da Vinci ran second after a smart drive early, and Alta Orlando finished in third but was well beaten. Race number seven saw Murphy's reward start favourite with Blazing Shannon getting out in the market after being the top market pick early in betting. As soon as the start said go, all the drivers out wide grabbed hold. They all tried to find a position behind Blazing Shannon who held comfortably. Murphy's reward was able to slot in behind the leader. Palatino was forced to race up outside it. Sugar for my honey was on its back in the 1-1. Uh, Josh Gallagher followed 
or allowed Blazing Shannon to run through the first quarter in 28-2 and then pinch the second in 29-6, and that was probably the story of the race. It was always going to be a sprint home. Murphy's reward got the shot, was able to pull around the leader's wheel at the top of the straight. He continued to narrow the margin, but in a, a close finish, Blazing Shannon was too strong. The best of the rest, well, maybe the Flandering Chef for David Morris and Dennis Day. Got back, came with a strong run up the straight. Needs something a bit easier, but uh, I think the Flandering Chef's got a, a win in it soon. Uh, race 8 saw Arden's ace, the favourite, off the back of the big class drop. He shot off the wide draw, found the front early before letting Ryan's gangster roll to the front, which meant the pole marker Carlo Gambino ended up three pegs. As expected, over the longer trip, they went into single file. They walked 51-4 for the lead time and then 31 seconds for the first quarter. It wasn't until there was 900 metres to go that... Axel Air moved off the inside and started the running line, which actually gave Zambia the 1-1 cover. Approaching the turn, Axel Air was beaten, which meant Blake Fitzpatrick was off on Zambia, and he quickly cut back down to race next to Ryan's gangster, which meant Arden's ace had to go back to the inside and probe for a run. Now, there was enough room for it, but it took Arden's ace a few strides to regain that momentum, and in that time, Zambia had pinched a winning margin. Arden's ace came hard late, just missed, sight to see, battled on for third. Sheffield Sparky was good from the rear in a brisk last 600, and Red Reactor and Carlo Gambino both had traffic issues at certain stages in the straight. Best winner of the night, Dennis William. Great training performance from that man, Grimson. Again, first up in a long time. He came with a late run to win, so we'll make him the best winner of the night. Best driver of the night, I think Ellen Rickson, who won the second on Dance and Deliver from a sticky draw, got straight into the running line and proved too good in the straight. And best beaten performance, I'm going to go with Saginaw, but listening to Seaton earlier, he's going to have runs like this one because he, he, they've just got to drive him for luck. So best beaten performance tonight, Saginaw. <laughs> I love this time of year. Inter-Dominion, it is the pinnacle of harness racing in the Southern Hemisphere. And the man who gets to call it this year is Chris Barsby, and he's joined me to have a chat. Hello, Chris. How are you? Yeah, really well, Greg. Really excited. And for a number of reasons, this is the first time since 2009 Inter-Dominion has returned to Queensland, but it's the first time since 2001 here at Albion Park, and like we had in 2001, paces and trotters. So there's a lot to be excited about. And, you know, going back a few years ago, obviously, Blacks are fake, the pin-up horse, everything like that. But this year, you legitimately, in Queensland, have the star of the series in Leap to Fame. No doubt about that. Uh, he, he's the most talked about horse in Australian harness racing. Uh, his record speaks for itself. And as you just mentioned, Blacks are fake's the only Queensland-trained winner of an Inter-Dominion. He won it four times, competed in six series. So... Leap of Fame's got this uh, almighty chance of joining uh, the incomparable uh, Black to Fake as an Inter-Dominion winner, and he gets to do it in his home state. Remembering with Black to Fake, he had to travel near and far to win his Inter-Dominion. He came up a little short at the Gold Coast back in 2009, beaten behind Mr. Fieldgood. So Leap to Fame gets a chance to win an Inter-Dominion right here in his own backyard. It's interesting with Leap to Fame, and look, you know, I spent a few years away from the sport, but you know, kept my eye on it. And he's one of the reasons that I wanted to come up back and talk about it because he, he's just such a special horse. The only thing he lacks is that real high dash to put himself if he if he draws well to to get himself on the front end. And and I guess in this Inter Dominion series, there's not too many horses that would want to park him. A couple of Jason Grimsons if they turn up, um, but apart from that, you know, he, he probably has that aura about him where he's going to roll to the top, especially in his heats. Yeah, there's no doubt about that, Greg. And, and when you go back to the start of his campaign earlier this year, he won five straight races and then he rolled into the Winter Carnival, took all before him before coming up short in the Blacks of Fake. And he had that legitimate excuse there in the Blacks of Fake with that, that busted wheel, ended up running second behind his older half-brother in Swayze. And then since that run, he's been beaten in the Tabureka, the world's richest race, and he had to park out there and he got beaten in that uh, very busy finish in the Group 1 Victoria Cup, again after doing all the work. So he's been beaten, which proves he's not invincible, but there's been legitimate excuses when he has been beaten. So uh, he's had to do a lot of work in a lot of those defeats. So it's going to be very interesting to see how rival drivers sort of take him on during this series. And he proved last time out with that victory in the Queensland Cup. He rolled straight to the front obliterated the track record, which he co-owned with Swayze at 152. He went 
And that was on a track grid that was slightly off. A lot of drivers that night said it was probably just on the heady side. So to see him go about his business like he did that night proves that if he's in front, he's almost unbeatable. So it's going to be very interesting to see how rival drivers try and plot against him during this series. Does the series need Swayze, do you think? Absolutely. Um, I, I just think whilst it's great that we've got the, the local hero and Leek the same, you want that challenger. And that challenger, without doubt, is Swayze. He conquered him in the blanks of faith. Uh, you know, some say uh, the wheel change, uh, the, the busted wheel wasn't going to make a, a big difference to the result. Swayze was always going to hold him. And Swayze's held up his end of the bargain because he hasn't been beaten since. He's gone to New Zealand, conquered their biggest race in New Zealand Cup. So without doubt, the series needs Swayze. And from Racing Queensland's viewpoint, it's a great marketing ploy if Swayze does contest this series because all of a sudden, you've got the local hero up against the horse that beat him during the Winter Carnival, our biggest race, the Blanks are fake. And then you can sort of plot and plan with what sort of ploy you want to go with as far as the marketing is concerned. Brotherly Love, Larry Burst, Patrick, if, if he's called Patrick Swayze or he might have a different stable name. But there's a lot of great things that Swayze comes to this series on and off the track. So without doubt, he needs to be here for mine. And Spirit of St. Louis is another one from New South Wales that he's always competitive in these sorts of races. Yeah, he is. Um, he was probably a little disappointing uh, last time he stepped out here at Albion Park. That was in the black state behind Swayze and Leap the same. He's run a lot of placings and a lot of good races. Can he win this year's series? I don't think so. That's me personally. It's been an interrupted campaign. They're all set to go to New Zealand. That blood disorder ruled him out of going there, and he hasn't been cited since. I don't even think he's been to the trial. So probably not the ideal campaign going into this series. So if he turns up, you know he's going to be there about, but I think he's just going to need that little bit of luck to, to finally win a big one again. So if the Inner Dominion hasn't been there since the Gold Coast, would that mean this is your first Inner Dominion series? Yeah, it is. As the main caller, Greg, for sure. I've been lucky enough to do two consolations. Did the consolation in 2009 uh, behind David Fowler, and I did the consolation back in 2001. So that was a long time ago, and I was very uh, wet behind the ears back then. So this is my first go at a full series, so very much looking forward to it. And like I said, not only with the paces, but the trotters as well. Last time we had a trotter series here in 2001, take a moment, there was no Queensland-trained trotter uh, competing in that grand final. I think this year, there's a good chance that we could have anywhere between three to five runners if they have a little bit of luck and um, things go to plan. So I think it's going to be a very competitive series. Just believe Queen Alita, they look the main two. But I think Queensland, uh, they're going to have good representation, hopefully, in the grand final. How good is it to have, and look, Just Believe's world-class, Queen Alita, she's world-class as well. I know she hasn't she hasn't gone north, but she would be competitive if she did. Um, it's great to see the talent that we've got in our trotting ranks at the moment. Yeah, no doubt about that. And Queensland's really come on in leaps and bounds in recent, uh, recent years. But you've only got to look. We had our first Victoria Derby finalist earlier this year, not as promised. Not only was he our first finalist, but he won the, the final. And that race has been staged since 1914. So here we are winning one of the most prestigious races on the trotting calendar. Uh, and, you know, he's going to go to New Zealand and race in their derby over there. To think a three-year-old trotter from Queensland is tackling all these big features, it's it's remarkable, but it shows how far we've come in a very short space of time. So the trotting gate is definitely on the improve. I, I reckon, like, obviously, Leap to Fame's going to be special to be calling him, you know, in the home in a Dominion, but I, I reckon uh, you getting a chance to call Just Believe will be pretty special as well. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And how awesome was he first up at Bendigo the other week uh, to, to park outside Queen Alita and beat her at her own game? And she had that little bit of residual fitness, given what he's gone through, like travelling to the other side of the world and back. He made a statement that night. So, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to it. And, and with Just Believe, this is going to be his third straight series. He was placed in Sydney two years ago. He won the grand final last year. Here he is again returning as the defending champ, and it's going to take a good one to beat him. So, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to seeing Just Believe up here. Mate, some horses get tied towards the end of a two-week Inter-Dominion campaign. What about a race caller? Do you have to look after yourself, make sure the voice is all right? Because, it, you know, you obviously have to get through plenty of race meetings in a, in a short period. Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, I... I don't think I'll be doing a great deal of uh, social uh, 
uh, campaigning during that uh, time. Once the races are done, we'll go home and, uh, you know, try and get as much rest as possible. But uh, as you said, it's pretty frantic. Four meetings in the space of 14 days. But uh, this is what we're here for, Greg. This is the ultimate. It probably doesn't have that same cloud as what it once did the end of Dominion. But still, for those that are in, in the sport, you know, all year round like I am, this is the ultimate. So I'm really looking forward to it. And it's probably going to be the last ever series that we have here at Albion Park. Norwell's in the in the pipeline. So if we have another series, it's more than likely going to be at Norwell. So special this series coming up for a number of reasons. Well, mate, great to catch up with you. Good luck over the uh, the next couple of weeks with the Inner Dominion. Really looking forward to it. And uh, we wish you all the best. I really appreciate it, Greg. And we'll see you tracks on. Fantasy Harness Racing is back from Monday. New season starts. Will Norman was the winner last season. And I thought it might be timely that we get Will on and find out a little bit about how he's going to put his team together for season number two. Hello to you, Will. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you, Greg. How are you? Really well, thank you. A few changes to the rules this year with the variable pricing coming in. Um, Has it changed the way you're looking at the game this season? Yeah, definitely. I think um, I think we're down to two trades a week now, which is certainly going to change things up. And the variable pricing, like you mentioned, is definitely going to change it. Uh, it's the drivers you might have look to get in the team, I, I certainly traded out a lot of... I definitely used my three trades each week last year. And, um, yeah, we have to be a little bit more strategic about that. Two changes. Um, so, yeah, and the, and the extra meetings, I think, is probably the biggest change. Um, we, we're covering every meeting now, Monday to Saturday in New South Wales. So it gives a great to uh, probably less, little, probably still the main dependency is on the Metro drivers, but certainly brings a lot more drivers into play now with the extra meetings. So when you built your initial team last year, was it all about getting your Metro team right and then whatever money you had left over, you're spending on the other areas, or did you did you mix it up a little bit? A little bit. To be honest with you, I probably didn't... The first few weeks, I probably, like everyone, brand new to the game, just took a little while to adjust. Um, I definitely, yeah, was very metropolitan heavy from the get-go, though. Um, I probably had a few drivers in there. I'd almost say the mid-tier drivers that might have been five or 600,000. A few places that didn't overly score well. Um, so I, I, by the end of the competition, I definitely had either the, the guns, as I'd call them, the, the million dollar drivers, or, or I had quite a few cheapies in my team, um, just picking up a few points, but yeah, mainly relying on all my points from the, from the cam hearts, etc. And then with your captain, with your captain every week, are you, you know, cam's obviously the, the most expensive driver. Is, is he just the logical captain every week or do you go through and look and see who's got better drives during the week and then make them your captain how do you do it i think it's probably going to be a little bit trickier this year greg because last year last season we had access to meningle saturday night field and penrith on the thursday fields by lockout time on a tuesday so with lockout being on a monday um this year we're not going to have access to that so it's definitely a little bit trickier oh cairns obviously like I think he's Australia's best, and um, he would be the logical captain choice most weeks. But I wouldn't put it past like Robbie Morris was a absolute. He was almost fifty fifty with me for captaincy choice um, up until the midway point of the first season. So he often goes to Newcastle where Cam doesn't. So he might have that extra meeting, and and, and a driver like Josh Gallagher as well. Um, he'd be he'd be another guy that uh, must come into calculation as well, just because he could, does go to Newcastle. So, so the weeks where Newcastle has a Monday meeting, um, he's likely to score really well in those weeks. All right. Well, so when you've sat down to put your your lineup together for this year's fantasy harness racing, how did you start? Started on the metro line and made sure I got Cam, Josh, and Robbie and Will Rickson straight in. So <laughs> it's a big it's a big bulk of the salary cap, but I still got him in. Still those four drivers were the first four I picked. So um, obviously expensive between them. I think that's about $7.7 million between them or $7.8 million. So um, I think that's, that was my first point of call. Probably, and obviously that's probably been a bit harsh on Jack Callaghan as well. He'd be the fifth choice. But 
I think it's pretty hard to fit all five in at the moment. And probably with the Inadoms just around the corner and I'm assuming Jack's coming up to drive Spirit of St. Louis. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be thinking, um, and probably the first round of heat, given it's a, next Friday, he's probably going to be driving up here in Queensland and miss the Newcastle meeting, which is a meeting you normally go to a school as well. So that's where I started, yeah. I, I still think there's obviously less dependence on the Metropolitan meetings this season, but, um, yeah, I, I still, I think even even starting in week one, we've got access to Golden and, and Menengal Fields already, and well, Cam and Cam and Will have got 13 drives. They're both Cam, Cam, Will, Robbie, Josh are both going to Goulburn as well, and as well as the Eagles. So got Will and Rick, Cam got 13 drives, Robbie 14, and Josh 12 drives, and that's only by Tuesday. So that's not including that they're going to be driving at Penrith. And I'm not like I said, not sure what's happened with Inadoms and who's coming up north to drive where. But you've obviously got the the big Carnival Cups meeting at Young next Friday, which will attract great, a great field. So I'm assuming a lot of city drivers head to that and Newcastle next Friday night and obviously Menengal next Saturday night. So um, they're probably going to have to be up to 25 to 30 drives between them, those guys. So I think that I think that's where you've got to start still. I, despite the extra meetings, I think that's where you've got to start still. Bulk up your Metropolitan line as good as you can. So does it then become studs and scrubs where you've got to be looking for those really cheap drivers who can fatten out your team because you've spent half your salary cap in in four of your twenty two? A little bit, a little bit. I'd be I'd be tipping people in. You probably got to have Tommy Ison in your team. I've got him in my team at the moment. Um, he's quite expensive. He's up near a million dollars, but I think there's seven. I think I went through and saw there was seventeen Tenworth meetings this season, and oh, he drives three or four winners nearly at every Tenworth meeting. It feels like so. And he's going to Newcastle a lot more than he even did last season. Um, he's going there every Friday night at the moment. So I think he's a guy you've got to spend the money on. And then, then you start to look. That's when I started to look at, okay, who are the who are the drivers that are good value maybe in that lower tier um, area? Um, I think, obviously, he's probably going to be the most popular choice in the game. Young Jet Turnbull, well, he's just a gun. And he's only 175000 there on the Western line. So... He was the first guy put in onto that line, and um, yeah, I think it's so it's those type of drivers as well. I've still I've still got the Blake Jones and Blake Nicholas at the moment on my Riverina line, and like I said, it's just a draft team at the moment. I, I know Bathurst Fields are out for Wednesday night, and I haven't had a good chance. I thought there's eleven races there, so I haven't had a good chance to look through that. And but certainly the the change of uh, the extra Friday Western meeting is going to change things. Uh, certainly in that area, I know Amanda. She'll probably still be the leading driver on that Western area, but she doesn't often go to Dubbo and Parks on a Friday, whereas you might get your Doug Hewitts and your Matt Roos and those type of drivers that, uh, and Nathan Turnbull, even though it's expensive, might go to the meetings. So, yeah, it's certainly, it's certainly a lot of different thinking that's going into this season too, for sure. With your reserve drivers, is it they just $100,000 drivers? You're not wasting any money in your reserves? No, not wasting a cent. No, not wasting a cent in my reserve. So yeah, they're all hundred thousand dollar drivers, and um, yeah. So oh, I, I like, for example, I've got Mitch Ford on my Metro line at the moment. Um, he's unlikely to obviously. He's not getting a good young driver, but he's not getting a lot of drives at the moment. But he's a guy that I'm happy to sit there for hundred thousand. He's a, and he's a good chance he might even with the variable price in a week where he might get a few more drives, drive two or three winners, then he might go up to one twenty, one thirty thousand. I'm not exactly sure how how big the price changes will be with the variable pricing, but he's certainly a guy that could go up in value pretty quickly. Um, I'd be recommending people getting on the hundred thousand dollar line, Luke Whitaker in the Hunter. Whether you play him in your team or you don't, he just relocated down to Newcastle a couple of months ago. Um, he often gets four or five drives to these Newcastle Friday night meetings, and often makes his way to Tenworth as well. So he'd be a good guy. Um, I recommend for people to get, even if he just sits on your reserve line or, or potentially in your team. But yeah, looking at those, for the most part, my hundred thousand dollar drives aren't uh, aren't drives I'll be using in my my uh, actual. Uh, what is it, 18, 18 
strong team of the week. So Jet Turnbull is a must because of his price. Luke Whitaker's is another one you can throw in um, because he's, he's cheap. Is there someone that you want to have in your team? You've obviously got all your Metro, your, your big spends, but is there someone there that basically has to be in your team because of their price, not too expensive, not too cheap, but someone sort of in the in middle of the range that you think, yep, they're, they're good value? Um, I probably think on the Hunter line, I think there's a good buy on the Hunter line there. That's Caitlin McElhinney. Uh, she's often the second. She gets a lot of drives at each Penworth meeting. She drives a lot at Newcastle. So she'd be another driver um, I'd be definitely including in your teams. Um, she's uh, She normally gets a full book these days at Penworth and, and often goes to Newcastle as well. So, yep, she's pretty good value as well, I think, around the 160000 I struggle a little bit. The area I don't follow as closely as the other regions is probably the Riverina. Um, obviously, the, the second, the, the two meetings there each week. Um, I'd be interested to see. I see Jimmy Locks made his way to, to Bathurst for a few drives on Wednesday night. So, and he scored so well last season um, as well. So, he'd be that. He'd be my main middle tier in that five hundred to six hundred thousand. Whereas, more so probably on the Western line probably really considering a guy like Matt Rue, um, who does drive, obviously, a Bathurst and nearly every week drives at these uh, parks and Dubbo meetings on a Friday night. So I think they're two options in that middle tier. If, you, if you've got a little bit of cash up your sleeve, I think they're two pretty good options in both those regions. I'm going to have to have a tinker with my team because I have Cam Hart and I've got Gallagher and I've got Will Rickson, but I'm missing Robbie Morris. So I'm going to have to make some room to uh, to try and get Robbie into my team. Um, how much time did you did you spend a lot of time on it each week last year, especially when it got towards the end and you're up the pointy end? Yeah, probably too much time, Greg. <laughs> yeah, definitely. By probably about the last, I wouldn't say I, I spent. I obviously spent time each week on it, but probably with that six weeks to go, I probably ended up a little bit more, um, an extra few hours each week that I probably spent on it. So um, obviously, I've taken a little bit of time to try and create a draft team. Like at the moment, I I, I like to do the form. I'll do the form for Goulburn and Menengel and, and Bathurst probably early next week um, or over the weekend. So I'll probably have a little bit better idea of where I want to go with that. I know. Um, I know a younger driver, which might not fit into, if you've got a little bit of space there, young Harrison Ross, there is on the Metro line. I think he's got five drives at Goulburn, I think I saw. and So he could be a cheapie if you're looking for someone a little bit that might score a little bit in the metropolitan region. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's, I think this year is probably a little bit different. With, with the only two trades, um, that have probably always had trouble. That third trade was always a found the tricky ones to be honest with you last season I'd have to make almost make a layout almost I don't know almost a sideways trade it felt like a third trade so I think with the variable pricing I think you're better off keeping if you've got those young younger drivers in there the, the Jet Turnbull who's going to be going up in value pretty quickly and I think Luke Whitaker will go up in value pretty quickly I think you're, you're probably going to have to keep those in your team season um Especially with only two trades and, and looking at um, looking at keeping them if they're not even in your team, just make them on the reserves. I, I didn't have a lot of cash sitting on my reserves last year at any point. I don't think um, I often alternated. Maybe had a couple of cheaper drivers in certain regions, which I might have alternated in. Brought one in week, took them out and swapped them over, depending on if they had any drives or not. But this season, I think I probably not make a lot of changes with my reserves, to be honest. Yeah. Well, we might catch up with you a couple of times during the season because it's been a good insight into how a winner puts together their fantasy team and, and what their thought process. So, mate, it's been great to catch up with you. Um, good Lovely. luck Good great. luck in week one, and, and we'll catch up soon. Thanks, Grevin, and make some room for Robbie in your team while, while, over the week. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Winning. Hey. That's pretty good. Winner! That was legitness. That I say, all right, all right, all right. Wow, winning. Bam! Just like that. That's all there is to it. That's, that's all there is to it. A winner! Just like that. I'm the winner! Yes! We'll have to make a losing intro for our tip segment. 
Last week, I only had the one because one of mine was scratched. So I'm minus $30 after two weeks. And Mr. T, he is, well, he got a $1.35 pop beaten. He's minus $29. So he is just in front of me um, by a dollar. All right. So Mr. T, what can he come up with this week? They're both at Bathurst. Race three, number nine, Horn Player. So these are both on Wednesday night. Race three, number nine, Horn Player. Chase Tone better be the best in a semi-final of the Breeders' Challenge. Matt Rue trains and drives. So race three, number nine, Horn Player. And in race nine, Mr. T likes number three, Flip Top Bottle Shop. Ran fifth in the Tatlow Stakes, bit of a drop in class. So race nine, number three, Flip Top Bottle Shop. What do you think about that, Mr. T? Have you ever been embarrassed, ashamed, or exposed? Definitely been all those after last week, tipping no winners. All right, so my two. Okay, I'm going to go for two horses. My first one is at Goulburn on Monday. Race nine, number four, Mike Cracklin Rosie for Scott Hewitt and Harrison Ross. Gets in well with the claim and has been in very good form of recent starts. Loves Goulburn. Two starts, one win, one placing. Drawn well, can be sent forward in the early stages, and I think it'll take some beating. So that's race nine, number four, Mike Cracklin Rosie. And my other tip is at Menangle on Tuesday in the Breeders' Challenge Heat. Despite the wide draw, I'm going to go with Fear the Banker. Couldn't have been more impressive when he worked through the first quarter in 26-4 and still ran a 55-4 half home. More depth in this one. He's going to have to work to find the front, but I think he's right up to winning this. So that's at Menangle on Tuesday, and that is in race seven. He's drawn the extreme outside, number 11, Fear the Banker. So they are my two. Hopefully, I can get a better return than Mr. T. Wouldn't better increase a man. Yeah, well, let's hope that you are incorrect again, Mr. T. But more from him next week. Hey, that's uh, just about wraps up the show for another week. Big thank you to the guests, Cam Hart, Seaton Grimer, uh, Chris Barsby and Will Norman. We might catch up with Will throughout the fantasy year to see how he's tracking. Get your team in. Starts Monday. I'm playing. I played last season, didn't have much of a season last year. Hopefully I can go a lot better than that. Can't wait to get the young for the Carnival Cups meeting on Friday. I hope everyone has an enjoyable week, and I'll catch you again for the Sunday session next Sunday.